The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. I'm an editor-in-chief at Provoke Media, uh, and I'm very happy to be joined today by Carolyn Devanayagam, who's the head of corporate affairs uh, for Weber Shandwick in Asia Pacific. Carolyn, welcome to the Provoke Media podcast. Thank you for having me, Avarun. It's always a pleasure, and I'm really, really happy to be here and to talk about such a um, hot topic. Indeed, we're going to talk about ESG. Um, Let's start with a little uh, context. Provoke and Weber Shandwick held a, uh, a, 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 a panel discussion, actually, in Tokyo um, in October. Uh, so it was about uh, three months ago. Um, and it was looking at the progress um, of ESG in Japan and, and focusing, it focused quite a lot on governance. Um, which is something you, maybe you you would expect in the Japan market, but it was a very vibrant discussion actually, and and the the feature um, is on our website, so I, I recommend that listeners check that out as well. We're going to talk through, I think, a, a broader conversation about the region in general in terms of ESG adoption, green hushing, the backlash. Um, and the importance of communication. Carolyn, let's start in Davos, actually, uh, where, as you will, will have known, we had another uh, session with Weber Shandwick and um, several global comms leaders. Uh, and from that session, but also from the week in general, one of the things that really um, was clear to me is that the phrase ESG, at least in the West, seems to be in retreat for various reasons. Is that the case in Asia, too? Yeah, I mean, Arun, to be very uh, uh, frank, I think um, ESG and, and its adoption is still very much at an early stage in the region. And I think there is still a lot of ambiguity and, and um, unknowns with what ESG actually stands for. And I think um, the retreat is bound to happen. And it probably is to some mm. extent. Um, but um, for the most part, I think we are still a step before that um, and, and mm -hmm. still trying to find our place from an adoption standpoint. Um, um, and mm -hmm. we are seeing quite a bit of, I mean, obviously momentum and, 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 and recognition and, and responsibility taking place. Uh, but that said, mm -hmm. I, I suspect that will happen as, as more awareness and, and context is developed, um, especially in more developed parts of the world and translates into Asia. But I just have to emphasize again, I think ESG in general is still very much at its infancy in Asia Pacific. Mm. Well, first of all, really appreciate your frankness. Um, why do you think the pace of ESG adoption in Asia Pacific is is slower than maybe people might expect? I think there. I mean, compared to uh, Europe, for for sure, and then obviously the responsibility that um, the US is also putting uh, towards it. Or I should say, North America. Um, and then, you know, you're seeing some of that seep into the Americas. But um, I think there hasn't been as much, um, um, you know, 
compliance and legislature around it um, to mm. to enforce um, the 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 need and the demand for corporates, um, let alone um, countries, to abide by. Uh, you know, the stringent mandates that they do have um, in the West. That said, like I said, I mean, while I do say it's an infancy, we do see obviously, uh, you know, different um, pace, um, you know, in terms of pace in, 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 in some um, more developed markets like Japan, for example, as we saw from our session that we had in October last year, where there's a lot more compliance and and expectation around, um, you know, uh, ESG um, compared to, say, some Southeast Asia markets. But I think that the fundamental um, point I see as, as a huge, um, you know, lateness to its adoption is really um, the, the compliance and the expectation and the legislature in, 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 in you know, each country in APAC right. to enforce it. It is changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, as we know, in India and in China, and now Singapore, uh, the Malaysia's bursa is putting in some, um, you know, some uh, expectations too, and and, compl- and 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 you know, starting to to put um, frameworks in place. It, it is getting there, uh, but I really feel that you know the West has obviously put a lot of emphasis um, much earlier on um, compared to um, Asia. Mm. So regulatory issues you see as being one of the biggest barriers um as you mentioned you know many countries now the 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 stock exchanges are bringing in esg criteria sometimes it's not uh, mandatory um but but there's an expectation um that that companies who are i guess telling an esg story are going to meet this criteria how big of an issue is it that um I assume we're not going to get any kind of regulatory harmony for some time. Yes, I think that that is also um, the differentiator, right, Arun? Especially if you compare mm-hmm. it to Europe, um, you know, uh, the EU is a is a standard that they uh, as 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 a as a governing body, it's there and setting the standards for a, a huge number of um, nations in Europe uh, to abide by. Whilst you know, like you said, that harm that. I wouldn't say harmony, but disharmony that you're going to expect in Asia. And obviously, different um, uh, stages and paces that you'll also witness is likely to happen. And um, and it will take some time to 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 reach an, uh, a somewhat equal um, playing field. But um, yes, so that disharmony is going to be there. But the one thing that we've always known with Asia at the same time um, is that we tend to leapfrog. And mm. we tend to, you know, move, uh, you know, when, when it does become a priority and when there is emphasis, you know, we tend to take it, um, you know, up a notch and much more quicker um, and, and, um, and with a lot more um, um, emphasis and robustness uh, to a, a, and a few steps ahead. So I would say that when it becomes um, basically a norm, I would say that, you know, we would definitely be, um, a, you know, leapfrogging and definitely being um, on at par and it's only mm-hmm. a matter of time like I said I think now they're just basically you know taking their time because it's not mandatory but eventually it will become mandatory and of course you know I mean there's just so much um, on the pace that you know is going to definitely um, push this forward uh, in you know Asia is home to 60% of the world's population and it's going to be ha- having the biggest mm-hmm. slice of the middle class by 2030. So you're going to see a lot more emphasis mm. and, you know, direction, you know, 
focusing in on Asia um, and, and its accountability as well as its role in, you know, um, combating, um, you know, issues that stem from a lack of ESG practices. Um, we're also mm -hmm. seeing, obviously, um, you know, Asia accounts for the majority of global um, emissions at the moment with 17.7 .7 billion tons of carbon dioxide coming out of this part of the world. So, again, it's it's being it is it will it is going to start to have to be regulated at some point and is going to be watched and and like I said, accountability is going to have to be um, a set the, the centerpiece and and focus. And I think the fact that you know we are you know the the major contributor to the world's oceans in terms of you know eighty one percent of all the plastics that flow into it. Um, and of mm. course, you know, China's role, and I mean, as part of the single largest, you know, carbon emitter, um, who, by the way, carb, you know, China is putting a lot of, you know, very uh, defined processes and, and, and regulatory in place. But that said, you know, there is a lot happening in Asia Pacific that is not only going to have them have to take a very, um, you know, progressive stand to step up to the table and, and make some massive, um, you know, leaps ahead. But also they're going to definitely be a focal point in discussions and, 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 and with, with a lot of the West then, you know, turning their attention to what's happening here and just the level of accountability that needs to take place. Sure. You, um, you mentioned the rise of the middle class in Asia as, as a potential driver in terms of ESG adoption. Do you see any other um, specific drivers when you're talking to clients? Is, is there anything that really helps in terms of focusing their minds um, when it comes to ESG uh, adoption, ESG compliance, other than, of course, um, mandatory regulations? I mean, I think it's just, I mean, Arun, at the end of the day, right, doing the right thing and being purposeful is still a very much a part of mm. what they need to do. And, you know, the whole purpose, I mean, a lot of the clients that we work with, um, whether they are global MNCs that have a lot of this cascaded down from wherever they're headquartered out of, and also a lot of the Asian homegrown large, big brands that we service out of this part of the world, there is still the a mandate to do the right thing. So yes, all of the the regulatory and the and the the, the responsibility that comes out of being placed in Asia as part of it, but also just doing the right thing as a corporate is, is still very much um, part and parcel of why um, organizations today want to invest and do the right thing. And, and it's the journey that we're basically helping take them on. Um, and it's not obviously something that you do um, for the sake of um, basically just building a reputation. It's really about leaving, it's all about impact and leaving, mm -hmm. um, you know, the 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 right, um, um, you know, uh, legacy in place as you as you build in this direction, and because it's not a something where you can start and stop. Once you're on the journey um, to ensuring yeah. that you're a part of the adoption, it is a commitment that you keep you keep at, um, um, you know, um, f uh, you know, uh, without any sort of end in mind. So. I think that is really, you know, the, the, the purpose bit and, and doing the right thing is, for me is something that I see a lot of the clients, um, you know, have top of mind. And even if they're not mandated to do it, they want to start doing it or in fact, just, you know, get into some of the early discussions on how to do it um, just because they want to do the right thing. Mm, indeed. Um, how big an issue is greenwashing, do you think, 
in this region? Is it is it largely being addressed, or do you think that there's still still concerns and risks around that? I mean, I think again, um, because I think we are also in a in a in a better sp- uh, 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 space uh, compared to our Western peer, uh, you know counterparts peers. Mm-hmm. Um, nations are uh, just because you know we we we're still at, you know in at, at its very best um, at the very initial mm. um, starting points of you know ESG and 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 the steps that we need to take. So as such, even the greenwashing is not probably as apparent. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I think we are even for what for what um, you know falls under greenwashing, we are making some progress. A bit slowly, I mean, because like I said, it is very much a learning a curve for us out here and still a journey. And I think South Korea has done some really um, good and, and leading and edge um, type of thinking to combat greenwashing. Um, I mean, they were the first nation in East Asia to draft a law to mm. ensure that, you know, false or exaggerated green claims are, um, and, you know, are basically, um, you know, Controlled and, and managed, and obviously legis- you know legislated, and the, with with a, with a lot of accountability um, in doing any sort of um, greenwashing. Mm-hmm. Um, Singapore too, during a COP twenty eight, um, they announced a multi sector transition taxonomy, which you know will be the first, a uh, world's first actually, mm. uh, to you know to put to set out credible definitions for what transition you know stands for. And what it means, and you know what is green, brown, what it accounts for, economic activities, and all that are in between. And I think you know that's one of the things I I always you know say that you know once Singapore sets a standard, especially for Southeast Asian um, countries, you tend mm. to see a lot of um, watch and follow. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of that will also be adopted eventually by you know probably Malaysia and then Indonesia and Thailand and the rest of Southeast Asia. Um, let alone what I mean, um, the bigger North Asia countries will also um, do. But you know, I think in in context of you know just the regulatory void that you see across most uh, in Asia, companies are basically set to incur. I get more and more of situations around greenwashing, and 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 they will have to learn as they go. So when the rules are not clear, I guess it does become a little easier to make mistakes, and I think that's why working with with some sort of um, you know advisory bodies, the right uh, uh, levels of accountability, legal structures, um, um, obviously you know even the media putting a lot of um, um, demands around accountability back at corporates if they do decide to take it to the press. Um, is is going to be some of the ways in which they will need to balance um, the their 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 ownership in, in and their stake um, as they as they go out and make steps in the area of ESG, um, and and you do see a lot of that pressure coming through from the media and the public already, and of course you know you um, with um, so with the onset of you know the the with everything today in real time and on social. Um, that accountability doesn't, you know, it, it spares no one. It, it happens, you know, immediately. So, and we've seen some major, you know, consumer brands, etc. And of course, you know, lots of B two B and um, brands as well getting, um, you know, their fair share of um, questioning. So it 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 definitely is happening. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I would say that you know it is again there are some attempts and obviously some real. Um, you know, 
uh, you know, effort being put. Um, and, I, you know, like I said, Singapore, Korea have made some uh, amazing strides, which I believe will help also steer the region and, and, and become a, a example to follow. That's encouraging. Um, I read recently that uh, I think there was a study in Singapore that found quite a high percentage of companies are green hushing. Um, so they are obviously not talking about um, some of their sustainability commitments and work because uh, presumably they're concerned about backlash and scrutiny. Um, how big of a challenge is that in this region? Yeah, I mean, there is, there, I mean, again, I think the role of media and the public uh, is, 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 is twofold. I mean, it puts pressure on them to be, mm. to be um, you know, to be accountable. At the same time, it also builds up, you know, sufficiently a, a, a conducive environment for companies to feel like it's worth communicating. And that balance needs to, to take place. Um, and it, it is, mm. you, you do see that. Um, and, and in fact, a lot as we do help our clients, um, you know, through um, a lot of their strategic earned um, initiatives, um, there is a lot of um, interest from media to understand and, and to build that environment um, for them to communicate around this. And I think that is, um, it, it is there, um, it is there, Arun, um, and there's a lot more of mm -hmm. that and the expectation of that um, to, you know, to communicate um, effectively. But again, it all has to be, th you know, done with within uh, the right parameters. And that is, I think, the biggest challenge because the parameters are unclear in a lot of in many cases i would say and and um, so that's where you know about balancing between the washing and the hushing um is is, mm. is a is a fine line that um uh, asian corporates as well as mncs operating out of here will need to balance um as they as they embark on this journey or, or as they have already uh, witnessed as they as they've kicked kick, kicked off the journey mm. i mean when you're talking to clients for example um you know, how do you um, tackle that kind of, you know, maybe, maybe a, a, a reticence to um, stick their heads too far above the parapet? Um, and, and how much, how problematic is it um, for, for, for kind of business in general, um, for the planet in general, I suppose, if, um, if green hushing becomes the norm? Yeah, I mean, Aaron, to be honest, um, it's it's a very sensitive area and one mm. that we don't um, we, we thread carefully and take and, and partner with our clients to really, you know, take it one step at a time, because um, it is it is like you like, you know, you said you, you don't you, it could it could really spiral out of control. And then, you know, it you know, you're dealing with a crisis and, and a lot mm. more attached to it. So um, I I do always go back to, you know, we, it needs to be ultimately while, you know, there's always the intention to doing the right thing, um, but there needs to be also the, the, the account accountability. I, I keep repeating that, but also mm. you need to basically prove and be, you know, be able to stand for what mm -hmm. you're basically communicating and, and truly, and even if it's in, you know, if, if a lot of organizations themselves or corporates are going through the journey and, and being much more um, outlook uh, um, uh, focused versus, um, you know, talking about the immediacy, I, it, it's all about um, the truths, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and getting, 
getting um, getting it out in a way that you know is responsible, and that they can basically account for because I that is really the the um, the pivot. Uh, for me because mm -hmm. there, there's a lot I mean uh, you know th and that's one of the reasons why the industry gets um, you know communications in general or public relations gets a lot of of um, you know negative um, mm. vibes at times because of you know being a spin doctor and doctoring things all of that and I think this is I mean, firstly you know a lot of that is really not not as uh, you know not, not what it was probably along you know in 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 decades before the, the demand for accountability and to be um truth uh, focused and centric is is it, you know there's a lot of um expectation around that but especially so in in the area of esg um mm. uh, or, or depends you know again d definition in various organizations are some of it are esg sustainability citizenship and sometimes it's just even going back to that and helping clients def you know uh, determine and define what they what they are willing to get into because ESG is a very broad area, mm. and also it's accountability across um, various aspects of the organization, um, and and it is you know versus you know sometimes um, being a much more focused in one specific area and building up from that. So there's just a lot of dimensions to it, and we it's a journey that we take and we and we are more than happy um to take to to have it be a slow burn and 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 partner with clients for that and this is nothing to be rushed um and like i said you know ultimately it's about ensuring that you know as they pull that narrative together for them to stand and to be purposeful and to be accountable it needs to be rooted in truths and be factually um extremely um accountable at all at all times and and in all given scenarios and then beyond um green hushing i mean obviously in the in the west particularly in the us we've seen a lot of political backlash to esg uh -huh. specific states have taken a really anti esg stance are, are you seeing anything like that in asia i mean yes i mean I, I think mm, anti-woke yes. agenda. I mean, not not. I think you know. To be honest, um, I think you, you you're absolutely right to say. I mean, we see it in the press all the times, especially with, um, you know, it's very prevalent in the U.S. Um, you know, with mm. uh, where you know you have the Republicans criticizing banks and investment managers for being too woke or hostile mm. to fossil fuels and this and that so you see a lot of them ending with blacklisting financial groups etc so you have a lot of that taking place and they're very very um you know outspoken about it and um i don't feel that we have gotten to that point as yet however i think it will get there um it is again because of the demand um today from the public um space as well as obviously media that um, is going to happen. Um, you typically have, I mean, you have, I mean, we've got a lot of elections taking place um, mm. around the region. Yep. Um, and, you know, um, and while a lot of them have, tend to be a lot, you know, more, you know, have, you know, all of them have their, their political voice and what they're going to be standing uh, for, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you saw some of that um, in Indonesia coming through um, with the way the government is going to continue or commits to continue or the possible new government um, with their reformacy and some of that does dovetail into some level of ESG and expectations for investments and locally um, driven um, you know, um, 
expectations of corporates um, in Indonesia around it. But you you don't have it so apparent, I would still say, and as um, outward as you do in the West. But it's it, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. You must remember, you know, in Asia, we are still in very much developing for a lot of, for for a lot of us, and that and 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 we have to balance between um, economic development as well as sustainable solutions. Um, so mm. there is that, you know, it is a dicey um, situation um, because, you know, um, if you stem um, or try to, you know, slow down, um, you know, um, economic development in order to be more sustainable, then, you know, you're going to obviously stunt the growth of a nation that needs that you know economic development to to take uh, to take them to the next level and to you know ensure that their people are benefiting from a, a quality of life and standard of living that is comparable to what the western you know and mm. uh, benefit from so so there is that to balance and um obviously the idle scenario as i said um, earlier on Aaron, you know is to leapfrog um, uh, with you mm -hmm. know carbon intensive development stages and transition while um, developing, um, but of course you know there is also the need to like I said frameworks. Um, it's also extremely costly um, to have a lot mm -hmm. of these in place. But we are making an attempt. But back to the political, um, you know, position and I I, I don't it, it, at least from my observation it's not as apparent as the West, but it will eventually become a, a significant part of of the agenda um, of nations yeah. as it as it as it moves forward yeah I think we're seeing it in Australia actually but, yes. but, but of course Australia yes. is, is sort of a, a, a different kind of country in the Asia Pacific context um, yeah and, and I and I specifically don't mention Australia a lot because they are unique of course right and I almost like in the bucket of the West um, when you it comes to this area and um, and they too, yeah, absolutely. From a political standpoint, if you're looking at it geographically, Australia is very much um, driven and politically sensitized towards uh, the issue of um, ESG, um, et cetera, in their, in their politicking as well as their, you know, any sort of um, campaigning they need to do. So it's quite, um, you know, it's quite a complex area, all things considered. How, how important um, is communication to all of the things we've discussed and and i guess for communicators what kind of skills are increasingly required in this area i mean Arun, as you said it is complicated um um and there is just um and you know honestly it's you know you it's one of those um analogies of you know building the plane is uh, as you fly it right because it is really learning as you go there's a lot from the west we can adopt and that helps the, the 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 journey the process however asia is still very different and unique so there is a lot of that we will need to create and and um develop uh on our end for our region so um yes it there, there's a huge but there is a huge uh, need to be responsible now and I think that is the definitely the role that communications and and marketing professionals can can play, um, and they are already um, in in so many ways. Um, you know, like I said, whether they are an MNC who is, you know, following the mandates of their global um, headquarters, or they are a large Asian 
grown brand um, that needs that, that 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 is global and has you know um, I, you know responsibility not just in their home um, market but you know in the region as well as globally. There is a lot of accountability and responsibility that um, they have to take, and uh, communications and marketing professionals play a huge role in that. And and interestingly enough, the clients that we work with, it's not just a priority of the communications or the public and government affairs division, but it's really something that sits even within the C uh, 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 suite um, and the and the office of the CEO. Um, who's extremely um, involved in a lot of these, um, you know, agenda setting, prioritization. And, um, and as we go through this and take, you know, um, this, uh, the clients through a journey, we ourselves as an organization are evolving. You know, we have a thriving global presence in this area from social impact to our, you know, our partners in helping develop frameworks out in DC to, of course, in Asia, we've even hired specialists in this area now to help us take through, um, you know, our clients as, you know, to, because we need to keep evolving ourselves and understanding and having experts come to, uh, and as well as, you know, leveraging, you know, external advisors to help us through this as well. It is, it is also sometimes having the tough conversations, um, Arun, uh, with the client, um, and helping push them to uh, to make those significant business changes um, to ensure that they avoid um, f you know um, reputational risks because as I keep saying we can you know we can we, we need to talk with a lot of responsibility gathered um, at the core and um, and you know it's it's a very it's a, it's extremely dynamic there's just so much to do and there's so much that's going to happen and there's a lot of responsibility now with um, that communications um, side of the of any organization to lead and and take this forward um, but at the same time you know um, like I said everyone is basically learning as they go along and so we we also tend to you know really um, bring our best to the table and, and lean into a lot of experts to take us um, and the clients through this journey and we're going to see a lot more of that coming and we're not and, and, and honestly it, it's it's a humbling journey and that's what um, we, we've realized. Um, there's so much of learning, failing, picking up, trying again, um, because there's really no one shoe fits all, um, you know, way here. And everything needs to be very, you know, purposeful, customized as well as relevant. And the conversations will keep happening externally, internally. And more than anything, I think, you know, with the rise of the employee in any organization, there's a lot of that too that we need to be um, aware of as we make a lot of uh, charters for organizations to take forward. Um, you know, there's one thing, you know, wanting to be purposeful and uh, communicating that externally, but it's really living and breathing it and ensuring your employees are on that same journey with you. Um, and we've had clients who've made some tough decisions um, and and as they, as they put their, their own employees um, through the journey, and, and realize some are aboard, some aren't, um, you know, and that, so there's a lot of organizational and transformation work as well taking place. Um, it's not, you know, it's not just a matter of wanting to communicate, but really um, transforming as you decide to prioritize um, ESG um, as, 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 um, as you know, nations expected, and as people ex, um, you know expect you to be more accountable in this area. Really great points, Carolyn. Um, 
really enlightening actually and i'm glad in a way that that it is difficult because i think i would be more concerned if it was really easy um for comms agencies and advisors um you know in a way it should be it should be kind of tough and it should be complex um but it's good to hear that there is progress being made even if if we are at early stages so thank you very much um for your time and we will of course be watching this space closely thank you Aaron. it was a pleasure and um as you said you know it is 100 percent not an easy journey but i think what we're going to basically see and realize is, you know, there is there there is a lot of um, good good goodness in in committing to this, and um, we're not just building the planet for today, but for future generations. And um, that accountability needs to be entrenched, and you'll see that more and more um, in Asia. And I'm very optimistic about where we are and where we will go. Mm, good. Well, thank you, and thank you to everyone for listening. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.